Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Bottom line up front, what are you going to learn about and hear about in this episode? I interviewed East Oldfield, who's a principal consultant at Advancing Analytics. We covered the concept of self-serve from a consumer standpoint in data mesh, had some ideas about how to get it right. We both seem to have more questions than concrete answers, but I think it will help you to ask these same questions in your own organization. According to East, the overall data and analytics industry is just starting to move from data consumers only consuming what others have prepared towards the self-serve data consumption. But it is still important to provide those prepared reports. So one, people can work from the same information and be on the same page. And two, you give people an easy and maintained path to important business information. East also mentioned one key to getting self-serve right is to not just enable consumers to get to the data they want. They really need to be able to understand what they are seeing. So documentation, sample queries, and other similar tactics are very crucial. Consumers also need training on how to use the platform. In general, training for self-serve data consumption is very lacking across the industry right now. Usable documentation is usually a difficult hurdle for data consumers as documentation tends to be very technical and is often out of date. The documentation is very rarely about enabling the consumers to actually make use of the data. Documentation is just one challenge about sharing information though. How do we share that information at scale? Do we use forums, show and tell? office hours, neither East nor I really have great answers just yet. I think time will tell. East finished with a recommendation for those building out their self-serve platforms for data consumption. Spend a lot of time interviewing your data consumers to figure out what will empower them rather than just trying to deliver what you would want. Also make sure to enable those who just want to consume data as prepared, you know, those who want to be spoon-fed the info, that that's fine, right? Allow them to self-select and that not everybody has to 
really be entirely bought into trying to be super, super self-serve from their own standpoint. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. everyone. Super excited for today's episode. I've got East Oldfield here. He's the principal consultant at Advancing Analytics, and we're going to be talking about all things self-serve, both from the consumer and the producer standpoint, just kind of what does that actually mean and how we uh, can start to approach that and where we see the potential for some uh, bad paths and some anti-patterns that uh, are going to perpetuate some challenges we have with all IT projects. So East, if you you don't mind, if you could uh, give people a little bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can kind of jump into uh, the overall topic. Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, So yeah, as Scott said, uh, I'm East. I'm a principal consultant at Advanced Analytics. So I've got about 10 years worth of experience in the analytics space, um, mainly as a consultant, but also as as a head of service. And even before entering in the analytics space, as as a as an end user, I was I was in a lot of yes, your consumers' shoes of of trying to find out where my data is and how I'm going to create reports for it. Um, and I guess from 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 my interest in kind of the the data space, it, it's how we enable people to do their roles and. Like the data mesh has huge potential to just enable people to actually do their roles properly. But conversely with that, there's just huge risk with the complexities that it brings with it as well. Yeah, I, I was having a thought this morning about um, how often that I'm seeing people's pushback as well is trying to automate around where people should just have conversations <laughs> And yes, I get at a certain scale, just saying everybody should have conversations with everybody gets difficult. And so you just have to share your context in slightly different ways. But like the number of times where people say, oh, but you're okay. How do you prevent somebody from making this change that will break things for a consumer? Like, how do you do that? Or how, you know, how do they get the automatic alerting? How do you build all this stuff? And it's like, well, you know, you're, you build in the tooling so you know who's consuming it and you just go talk to them. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's okay if things break. And it's just like, well, things are broken. Find out why it broke and then go, go and fix it so that it can't be broken. But if you've always got those offensive checks, you're just always going to be kind of prohibiting what people are trying to do. Or, or you have those those checks and you let people know, hey, this thing is going to Right. So we're going to version this. And so what you've got now is going to work for the next 30 days and you've got to migrate over. We'll help you migrate over mm-hmm. and, you know, to version two or version whatever. So um, so specifically on self-serve, we were talking about 
what does self-serve mean in the broader data mesh context of both for consumers and producers? I think when I ask what is self-serve, is it for producers or consumers? I just say yes, because (laughs) it ends up being necessary for both. But uh, we were looking at kind of starting on the consumer side. So why don't you kind of walk through what you've seen from the general analytics space on self-serve outside of data mesh context, and then talk about kind of where it goes wrong. And we can kind of jump in and and, uh, just talk about the the fun of trying to get self-serve and what it actually means right for a consumer. Yeah. So I guess guess let's kind of start at what traditional self-serve for consumers means. Um, and for that, we kind of need a bit of context with kind of how things how things were. And before self serve um, kind of came about, users would just get reports, and those reports would be predefined, preconfigured, and there might be some options to select some parameters and change the output of reports. Um, but that is really limiting because it it defines because your worldview is defined by what other people tell you it is. And for about five years ago, uh, there's then a, maybe even a bit longer, um, but definitely at least five years ago, there's this industry shift to be more self-serve, particularly from an analytics perspective. So instead of your reports being um, spoon-fed to you, you had an opportunity to go out and uh, connect to connect to data sources and create your own reports. But often that would just be a um, effectively a replacement for Excel. Um, and Excel is a great tool, but it also is, um, it's also not a particularly well-governed tool. It's not, e- not scalable, not repeatable and security and all that like yes yeah um so a lot of the tools kind of remove a lot of the repeatable scalable aspects that you or limitations that you have with excel and they and they address those and some of the security aspects as well but because there's effectively still here's a tool go use it there's not then the the responsibility of those self-serve consumers to actually know exactly what they're doing. And some of these tools are actually quite complex under the hood. Um, like one of the more popular tools is called Power BI. Uh, and from a from a user perspective, it's kind of built as a bit like Excel. You can use the same sort of formulas that you might use in Excel. But the reality is, is that for doing very simple things, yeah, absolutely fine. It works exactly like Excel and you can't go wrong. But then as soon as you start using it in anger and start uh, trying to do more more advanced things, it can get very wrong very quickly. Um, and that's because of how the underlying engine works. Uh, and there isn't then the training that comes along with a lot of the self-serve either. Or the self-serve training that is given is, Oh, just connect to a just connect to a data source and do all your reporting. Rather than actually, this is how the tool works. This is how you actually should be using it. This is how you should be sharing it. Um, and it's a 
And it's a huge, huge program of work for any organization to roll out even just self-serve reporting. And I've seen it go wrong in many places uh, where they've not really thought about the, the full impact of rolling out self-serve. They've just rolled out the tool and then gone, right, you people, you are de- you are designated um, like uh, super users and you are designated as consumers and go nuts. And that's still not really self-serve. That's just shifting the onus for report creation onto another set of users who are um, who perhaps don't sit within IT, but might still have that specialism. And that specialism, it kind of feels a bit counter to, to what self-serve should be. It should be enabling people to actually do their role and to do it with the knowledge to do it properly. Yeah, and that gets difficult because it is, I think, with that, you can do those kind of pre-canned queries and everybody can work from the same pre-canned queries, but somebody can look into that and how that's been done and they can create their own pre-canned queries and, you know, maybe even push those to the broader organization and say, hey, here's how I'm looking at this. Is this something that we want to, to do? And then you can kind of operationalize that. But it, it does get difficult when a lot of what you're talking about is you're just putting a tool in front of somebody instead of the capability to use it and that you need to kind of up their their capabilities, um, you know, the data literacy aspect. So um, w- within Data Mesh, one big issue with self-serve on the consumer side is what does that experience actually look like? Self-serve can be, okay, you've just got a bunch of data sources and you can just kind of point tools at them and do something versus, hey, here here are interesting insights or what are you looking for? Or, you know, it's is somebody going in and is it a data scientist and they're trying to find all the different data sources and so they need to be able to hit that catalog and figure that out versus it, are we trying to do this data democratization? Is that part of the data mesh experience or do we have kind of kind of data product portal where you have, okay, we're going to push this thing that's kind of in a pre-canned way, a consumer aligned data product that we then also give like Power BI access to. And that's kind of a data application type of of concept. Like how does that work and and self-serve for whom, not just producers and consumers, but like you have to start to get into personas. Talk to somebody that's trying to create a thing where what you'd be able to do is is um, take your Excel and you kind of push your queries backwards to say, okay, here mm-hmm. here's the the end state, and then I'm going to show you the transform I'd make and the transform I'd make and the transform I'd make, and then I'm just going to point it at the source, and it like operationalizes those transforms and just spits yeah. it out into an Excel, so they understand what's been transformed, but they get it in, in the, the tooling that they like. So you don't have to raise the bar from, okay, now we're going to get everybody to Tableau or Power BI or whatever. So it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, but where, where have you seen it go wrong? Like, where do you see, you you talked about like people just now have access to a bunch of data, but they may not know how to use it. Is, Is it that they don't know how to use the tool or that the way that the tool works 
or that the documentation is very poor or yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, where, where to, where to start? <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's like a lot of, um, a lot of projects, um, particularly when it come, comes to things where there might be a, a drive from IT to achieve a particular initiative where, uh, the tooling is just rolled out. The documentation is from a technical perspective, but not necessarily from a user perspective. Um, the, I guess, yeah, just using the tool, but then also like, okay, I've got data. What do I do with it? Like, what, what should I be looking at? What, what is it telling me? What do I, what do I need to do with this? Like how, like if, if you just, if you're just presented with data, it's, without any context and without any source of uh, action, it's, it's completely useless. Um, and that's where I kind of think a lot of organizations and in fact, just any projects kind of fail is that the, the focus is more on like the tools and the technology rather than the people. Uh, and it's really the people that really need to be put front and center in, in how you're going to do something. And I think that's, it's kind of funny because you talked about at the beginning, people don't necessarily love somebody just pushing the reports in front of them, but they, they do at the same time of going, hey, here is a worldview. Here is how the sausage was made, but here's the sausage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I'm not expecting you to go make the sausage, but you can see how it's made. And if you want to create a different sausage, you know, I, I'm putting a bratwurst in front of you and you want to make a chorizo, like go, like go do it. But like, and, and here is, so I think Adavinta um, has talked about this with their data products. What they have is sample notebooks and sample queries. And what, what they say is kind of the, so what, right? Here's the, the data that you can compile yourself. And here's, it in a semi-structured format. And here are the queries that we think are typical against this so that we think that these are the so what's mm -hmm. and that you, you can inform your decisions, but that we're not telling you that this is the only thing. It's not that we're only putting a dashboard or a report in front of you, but that we're putting multiple things. And, and you think about you know, kind of the experience plane Jamax talked about with like knowledge graphs. And so you could say, okay, this is connected to this other concept. So if you want to combine those, great. You know, you, you know that these are, that somebody has marked this as being conceptually linked, Yeah. but we're not, you know, necessarily putting in front of you of this is the way that, that you should think about this link. It's that these are conceptually linked. So if you're digging into this, you might want to look at, it's kind of, you, you might also like, it's a recommendation engine for data kind of concept. Yeah, I like that. I like that concept a lot. So, how, I mean, conceptually, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like conceptually, how do you think that could work of, of like, is there you know, there's that natural language processing of like, oh, I, I just want to type in my my search and here's what I'm trying to figure out. Or is there just a lot of kind of sharing or office hours around data products? Or is there like, or people like even able to publish things that aren't necessarily considered a data mesh data product, but they can say, here was kind of my approach on answering this question. And you, you ask them to document it relatively well. 
but that they say, this was my approach. And then you're like, okay, we're going to mark this as repeatable. So you can come back and, and keep getting this same answer, but like that other people can get to it. Or h- how do you think about maybe making that actually useful? And, and we can talk about it at like thousand person type company, a 5,000 person type company and a 50,000 type person company of like how that would look very different if, if that's something of interest to you. Yeah, I mean, that, that's always going to be a, a challenge. Like, how do you share knowledge at scale? Um, and, it's a lot, and it's a lot easier to do when there's like five of you in an office and you can just, and you can just talk. Um, and, and kind of what the, I guess, the, the pandemic has presented us with is, is again, the challenge, regardless of how, of how big your company is, like, how do you share knowledge? How do you communicate? How do you, how do you do anything when you're all in completely different locations? And, and that's, and by, I guess, the experiences we've now, we've now got, we can start applying that to a lot of the, the other challenges we might have as organizations, as people. Um, and that is just communicate and, and share. And, and I mean, if, if a company doesn't have that natural culture of sharing, there are ways to encourage that. Um, so you could have like forums where people come and do show and tells of what they've been up to and what they've been doing. Um, and, and that on the whole generally works, um, in, in what I've seen and in what I've experienced. Um, but that, that only goes so far, um, because it doesn't necessarily go in, um, it doesn't necessarily reach everyone within a company because there will be people in different, in different functions and different areas where they might be excluded from these forums because of the role in which they do things. Um, so I, I guess let's take, let's take a, a theoretical example. Let's take a, a retail company when you have workers on the shop floor and you have people in the head office and it's a lot easier for people in a head office, regardless of where they actually are in the world, to have those conversations and to have that forum. But the people on the shop floor, it's a lot more difficult for them to be engaged because their primary role and their primary function is to serve customers um, and and to do a, a show and tell of what they've been doing with data and what they've been doing in the in the wider world is going to be limited to very few touch points throughout throughout a year, um, and I mean data impacts every facet of life. Um, it's now come to the point where you can't really move without data. So why are we excluding people from from being able to partake in those conversations? Um, and that's that's a challenge which hasn't been addressed. Uh, I don't know how it could be addressed, but. It's those types of things where unless we're including everyone or at least giving them the opportunity to have those conversations and to share that knowledge, then as, as organizations, as, as people, we're missing out on valuable perspectives. Yeah. And one thing I've kind of talked about with data mesh is we're raising the quality of the data we share in and 
quality is a loaded term quality in many different ways of, you know, uh, keeping the context instead of like kind of chopping it off to fit into a data warehouse, uh, or, um, or raising the actual quality and the usability when you think about, um, a data lake instead of just dumping a bunch of data in there and going, <laughs> you know, data lake. <laughs> yeah, structure on query. Oh, no, no, <laughs> you need to compile this so I can use it. Um, but yeah, I think, but the other aspect is, um, of lowering the bar to leveraging data and to uh, raising the capabilities of your team to be able to leverage data more often to inform decisions. And I think that, um, I mean, the retail example gets really squishy and very difficult because it is like a very specific one of, of people that are out there. But even you, you think about um, something like, uh, I don't know, like, I guess I'm thinking of, I, I immediately went to oil and gas, but that also is like all sorts of safety things and like training and all sorts of stuff like that. But I mean, within technology companies, I think about um, that putting things in front of sales about, hey, here are what we're finding um, around alignment for who you should go out and target and who should be um, who we're, we're seeing the most calls set up with. and But then also not just, okay, so the business development reps are like, okay, I, my goal is to set up calls, but you can get calls with this persona, but that leads to a deal, you know, 5% of the time versus this other persona leads to a deal or, or an, an opportunity. It leads to an opportunity 5% of the time. This other persona, it leads to an opportunity 50% of the time yeah. when you get there and we have, you know, a, uh, it's three X harder to get for that one person, but it's a 10 X for the amount of opportunities generated. And so it's like, okay, we need to start to think about those type of aspects as, as well, but it does get very, very difficult. And, and how do you also allow those people to share their context, not just yeah. how can they be informed by data, but how do we work on that? I, I think, I do think that we need to go back in certain respects to those reports and say, we, we think these are useful insights that we start to absorb those insights from those people doing those, those Power BI type queries and that there is, I started to think about kind of almost a data concierge role, right? Where data d discovery is, it can be very difficult. And so how, how much does a data concierge scale? Uh, but they can start to, to figure out and see the trends of where people are struggling to get at data or what data they want or that kind of thing. And that you've got somebody that understands, you know, that they, they sit with the teams that are putting out data products, especially as you're, you're first starting, they can sit with those teams and understand what they're trying to share and what this means. And then they can sit with consumers and say, like, what are you trying to figure out? What, what more do we need to pull out of the domains or how do we need to restructure this or, or what does this really mean? And that, that you start to build that person knowledge and that you can kind of share that but the person knowledge also evolves and this is why people always want to do it from a tooling perspective is 
if the tooling, uh, the tooling doesn't need to evolve nearly as much as the human knowledge. And so, you know, keeping documentation updated when you have to manually update all the documentation, documentation doesn't, you know, the data mesh learning website, I update it maybe once every month and I don't update 99% of it. I basically throw up more, um, of the, uh, user journey stories, and I'm not updating a lot of the other stuff, but it probably should be updated very, very often. I just don't have the time or, or the patience to do it. So, and, and, that, and that's the same when it applies to technical documentation as well, or process documentation. It's just, it's, it's finding the time, finding the motivation for it. Um, and unless you kind of carve out a hefty chunk of time to, to do it to a quality, which other people can also pick up, um, then it's going to just be in the way that, that it currently is. And that's just, that's just documentation. Right. And that's, it, that's, it needs to get better across the industry. But when you kind of ask, uh, developers to document things, they go, well, it is what I did. Here's all the tests it's done. And, and that makes sense to another developer, but it doesn't make sense to someone else outside that context. Yeah. So that's kind of where I think the automation tooling needs to go is to enable, uh, I mean, we always say this, but enable less of the toil work, but that, that documentation isn't seen as much of toil, but it is like, Hey, these things, you know, these things have changed. You know, we, we've detected these changes, please document what these changes mean. Um, and maybe that you also have kind of semantic drift modeling or, or uh, monitoring and things like that. Um, so if, if we were to give people recommendations about where to go, like what to do when you think about this self-serve aspect, where do you think you would focus on first in a data mesh implementation? Hmm. Probably just go and talk to people, find out what they want from data. Um, and how data can can enable them, or even in fact just empower them, because um, that's that's one of the things which is really attractive about the, about data mesh is that it it can empower people to 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 be to be better, uh, and not just um, from how they perform perform their roles, but also just from their own knowledge and and, and skills, which they can then go and 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 do better things outside their current organizational context um, because as, as we kind of alluded to earlier there are loads of personas and a report consumer persona is more more complex and more nuanced than just someone who consumes data it's it's there's uh, varying degrees of audiences there are those who need and want to be spoon fed data through to through to those who who want to um, be uh, consuming data feeds and manipulating it and and transforming it for additional purposes and then there's people in between and and we're never ever going to find that out um, as to their competency and their desires without actually talking to them in the first place. I think that might bring up a a really interesting point around the correlation between role and 
the way that that person wants to uh, leverage data is probably not nearly as one to one as people, you know, the 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 R of that uh, is not nearly as uh, close to one as people think. Right. That there mm-hmm. is a much broader spectrum and, and that we. How do we get people to a place where. If they don't want to do it, you know, maybe they start to self-select out, but that we enable them to go from that spoon fed to, um, you know, leveraging more themselves, but that you also don't say, you know, I, I use the, uh, idea of like an exec admin to the CEO and it's the end of quarter and you're trying to close deals and you're trying to figure out what, what meeting should go on the calendar. Is it the one that's around the biggest deal or is it the one that's around the most important customer and what defines most important is that, and is that EA, you know, necessarily, um, deciding what the, the most important, or are they putting that information again in front of the CEO to, to do that? But like, I, I think of those as, as how do you make it so that you can make much more data informed decisions, but you don't need every decision to be data informed or whatever data driven. Cause wh- where are you going for lunch? It's not, <laughs> it's yeah, not that, like, that be the best reviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, how, do you have advice for people that are looking at that based on kind of as, as a consumer, as, as like, how do you take people and make them feel comfortable and learn through that? Is that just, uh, you know, a data literacy program or are there, is there good ways that you've seen that, that like creating that welcoming environment where someone can be vulnerable to say, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying this with data and things like that. Yeah, so it kind of comes back to your idea around the data concierge. And I've, it's the first time I've heard it, I love it. Um, but the way that I've, I've seen it done and and have also rolled out self-serve platforms before from a reporting perspective is to have like drop-in sessions, like once a week. Um, I think we called them uh, like data clinics. Like any questions, doesn't matter how advanced, how basic, just come and have a chat. It's it's uh, an open door in, until someone's in the room and then it's a closed door. Um, so you can ask any question you want. Uh, there's no such thing as a silly question, only silly assumptions. Um, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to is that people are scared of, of asking questions because they've assumed something. Um, they've assumed that their question would be silly and it's not because there's no such thing as a silly question. Uh, you just need to ask it and then you can get your answer. Well, and this, this is something that I put an episode out about on data mesh radio about the, um, mesh musings about, it's not just you, like there, there, we need to create a space for people to be vulnerable to say, I don't, I don't know this. And that, um, you know, it's not necessarily a flaw in that person versus it's a flaw in the system where if they should have known that, then like, where did we fail? And and maybe it was just the person didn't care and now they do. And so they're like, I'm trying to catch back up, but that's, that mm-hmm. should be celebrated instead of, you know, shamed or anything like that. And, and we just, but like, 
you know, people asking questions about how to do data mesh, there's just like people who are far down the path, they'll, they'll tell me in, in personal one-to-one conversations, I, I just don't know how to do X. And it's like, yeah, I know. I've, I've talked to 15 people in the last three weeks that have said the same thing. And they go, what? Nobody's saying it. It's like, exactly. Like we need to be, we need to create that space to, to learn and figure out. And then, you know, at, at DataStacks, we have this concept of, of a till, you know, today I learned. And most of it is about um, interacting with uh, customers and, okay, I learned this thing about the market or I learned this thing about um, our product positioning mm-hmm. or things like that. But And everybody can see these. Um, and so, you know, it, but if we can have more of that kind of concept of open sharing, that that self-serve, that it, it doesn't become nearly as scary where we go, hey, to get to self-serve, you have to learn SQL. And it's like, no, like that's that's where it gets, if, if you've got data analysts and business analysts, yes, they should know SQL, but like we need to get to a place where where we can be doing those kind of ports into data where people can download the report and they can download here's the raw and here's the transformed. And so they could see like what that is if they wanted to poke at what the raw was or, or things like, like just those little ways. Yeah. I think, I think kind of highlight, highlighting and focusing on technical skills is like the wrong way about it. I think, I think it's more kind of like an attitude based uh, system or style um, where it's, where it's more about curiosity are you curious about data? Are you curious about what you what you're what you're being told? Are you curious about uh, about anything? And that's then going to have that's then going to to drive a lot of your I guess the self serve aspects because it's that curiosity where it starts is then how then blossoms out into into the wider landscape. And you might ask like, I'm curious about knowing about uh, this bit of information and then that person you've asked about uh, the, the information might be like we don't collect the information at all and then again you can snowball um, and to which point then that information is then available not just to the person who initially had that curiosity and that idea but to everyone um, so it's it's the curiosity which can then have a wider impact on not just you as a person, but as a as a wider wider group, um, rather than just having the technical skills, because technical skills can be learnt, but attitudes can't. Well, it can be, but it's a lot more difficult to to kind of teach someone how to be curious. Yeah, I, I think that's aptitude over attitude, uh, atti- or attitude over aptitude, yeah. right? And and that you think about those skills you can learn, but like, yeah, and engendering the the space where people can do that, right? Where they can feel um, like they can actually uh, go and ask these questions, and again, not feel shame that they don't know this or <laughs> that they should know this. It's like, no, the whole point of doing something like data mesh is that we're not sharing this information in, in a way that's scalable. And so if 
you need to understand, you know, X, Y, Z right now, if that's going to help you do your job, we want to get you to a place where you can figure out enough around X, Y, Z to do that, to be informed, but that it's not, we don't have to pre-answer every single question. So how do we get to a place where you can understand how you would answer that with, with data and, and that data doesn't have to be scary, right? Like, as, as I mean, I'm just kind of a naturally data type of uh, friendly type of person. So like trying to understand that somebody who's kind of afraid of data and it's like, oh, it's just more math. And it's like, no, like we don't have to do it that way. We can do it in visualization. We can show you here, here are 10 different visualizations that you might want to look at relative to a prospect or a customer. And here's what they mean. And so you're now able to be much more informed about that customer prospect before you do outreach, right? So it's not as much like, I'm thinking, especially on the sales and marketing side, a lot of this stuff is like churn and burn, right? Like just, just push through, push through, push through, and just trying to versus like, Hey, let's be a little bit more strategic and think about, you know, take, instead of trying call 50 people in a day, you say, okay, I'm going to make 10 really targeted calls and you know if if i get somebody on this on the line i'm going to have something to to get in front of them with that's going to resonate with them and and how do we get to that so i think it's it's a difficult question especially again people we we haven't which has been nice but most people immediately want to jump into tooling 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 to enable this and that's where yeah. i think we have to think about why are we doing this and how do people want to consume that information to make it actually self-serve? Yeah, because as soon as you start talking about tooling, then you, you've gone down a rabbit hole, which you, is very, very difficult to come out of. Um, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, there's all the time when uh, I'm asking someone a question about requirements and they're telling me the requirements, but I'm thinking like, I can really solve this with this kind of solution right here. And I, it's not right. It's not right at all. Um, it's more, you need to get the requirements and then follow it up and, and keep refining the requirements until, until perhaps a technology choice is, is obvious or, or sometimes it's not. And then you kind of keep it in your back pocket until there is a defined solution for it. But without any, any starting point, then you, then, then what are you doing? What are you what are you trying to achieve? You're just building another product or push or buying another product, which is gonna either get used, not get used, uh, have mixed results. But it's not fundamentally gonna change anything. It's all gonna if if you've had challenges and problems beforehand, tooling is just going to either hide them um, or exacerbate them, but it's not actually gonna solve them. It's the it's the people process technology and technology is always the last one to do. Yeah, I, I think the understanding the business process and the business needs by sampling a bunch of people, then then I, I don't think that the self-serve has to be entirely at the tooling level, but I mean, technologists want a technology. So, <laughs> um, so if, if you're good with it, uh, you know, we, we didn't put really a button on it, but I don't think there is a button to put on, on this, this aspect, especially on the consumers at this point. If, you, if you're good, um, 
why don't we jump to as well talking about self-serve for the producer side and and that self-serve means so many different things and one thing that i keep seeing is before we jump in is that so many people again want to think about what technologies should i put in front of people and and why instead of what are the business processes like interview talk to the people like figure out if if you're a, a data engineer and you're trying to build a data platform to make self-serve data product creation in front of a software engineer and or especially an application dev you know i talked to to um uh jessatron from uh honeycomb uh recently and she was talking about uh, the workflows of of the application devs and i said yeah so you wouldn't just like want to expose dbt she said what is dbt and you know if you said that to a data person they would look horrified at you in, in most circles but on the application side yeah what is like like how do we get past that of wanting to expose the sausage making because the sausage making is the the interesting fun parts for a lot of the data people versus how do we get to that workflow standpoint yeah i guess it can't it's all it's almost tangential to the to the consumer side of it it's just business process and and talking to people because i guess while the producers are are more likely to be a um a more technical audience there might not necessarily be there might be departments or domains where they might have like one technical person but their technical ability might just be how to write some sql rather than how to how do i actually create a um a, a data product how do how do i start ingesting and transforming and, and serving that data um and again this is kind of boils down to like who who the audience is and how are they going to be enabled whether that is through um through existing technical teams so like infrastructure networks software engineers data engineers because there's only a finite resources resources like finite amount of them but they're also the ones that can make a a platform work um and like platforms are complex and they're hard and that's why why there are experts in this um but they're not always set up for for everyone um like what if what if you do want to get involved in in making the products available but you don't have that technical background and um and uh and learning all all of that is is a lifetime's worth of work um it's it's like i read a lot on on like data mesh and a lot of it's all about abstraction like how do we abstract a, a load of the complexities away and i'm not sure we're there yet i'm not sure we'll get there anytime soon um and um and whether we do abstract is again going to be down to your audience whether you, like 
what does your audience actually need to create a data product? How are they going to actually interact with their data? How are they going to transform it? And that will be different for lots of users as, as producers. Yeah, and I, I uh, recently talked with um, Odin and Joran at um, NAV, and they're, they're building their platform. And one thing they talked about was uh, they're asking, mm-hmm. they're saying, here are the capabilities that, or here is what a data product should look like. How would you build this, you know, to the uh, domains and just say, you know, how would you go do this? And then they are seeing how they would build it. And then they're working to kind of automate that and make that, you know, easy for other people to say, okay, we're, we're actually just seeing your processes and, and that kind of understanding how they would want to interact with tools is, is very difficult because especially if you're, again, a, a data person, you're, you want to just say, hey, you can just write SQL to the, to the team. And it's like, okay, no, like not necessarily. They don't necessarily understand data modeling. So like kind of holding their hands and, and creating like blueprints and, and saying like, there's the self-serve of actually putting and keeping it into production. But there's also the self-serve around creating and and like exploring what they might want to create and, and that like blueprint of being able to just pull it down and say, hey, this thing is going to be done with batch. And we're going to say that this has a uh, once per day SLA and that it's going to do that and that, that they can feel comfortable of, oh, I don't immediately have to start creating a streaming <laughs> data product with <laughs> I don't need that need and that I don't need to um, uh, be managing the pipeline itself and things like that. It's like, here is the, the way the schema works and here is, uh, here is what most people are doing does your does this make sense for your data? And then you know you can have that again. You can have like an early term review of a data product where they can say, "Are we headed down the right path?" Right? Instead of, "Hey, this team has to do everything all on their own." How do you build that into the platform? I don't know. I don't. Do you have ideas I, around it's, that? It's, it's. I guess from from. from my interest like the how how that kind of comes about is is not as high as kind of like how do consumers interact with the data um just trying to think think it through and to be honest nothing's coming to mind it's i think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting challenge and i don't have any answers yeah, it's kind of, I think that's where a lot of people are right now. Of, of and, and I think what I'm finding more and more of the people who have gotten started and are getting going is a lot of early data mesh is mm-hmm. building muscles and building knowledge of where you want to go, right? You don't have to get it right up front, right? Like this is the other thing of, I think, 
we have this really, really bad scar tissue in data, especially consumers, around things changing. And so with things changing constantly, um, but it's it's breaking changes, right? Something that they're, they're consuming is broken now and, okay, this thing that I was reliant on is no longer there. And so, like, getting consumers into a mindset of this is going to change and like how do we evolve and share our information back and forth i I think maybe that's even the where you start with the self-serve is the uh you might have screen recording where you go here's what i'm trying to do and then it pushes to the the platform team so they can watch the screen recordings and where people are are struggling and things like that i think i think trying to make way too slick of an interface versus, hey, we're going to meet you where you are. So if you're in Excel, we're going to create a better way to mm-hmm. create your import into Excel. So that way, you know, these transformations that you're doing happen at on the platform so that you can do them again and you can share them if you want to share them with people. But like that we're not just kind of saying, hey, you, you now have access to a lot more data go use it instead of like, Hey, let's, let's have create yeah, those interactions. How can we forward. actually help you? That's where people are frustrated is that I, I'm not seeing anything uh, that's out there of, of how people are really, really doing it. And so it's like, okay, great. We just have more research to do. Yeah. I think it is. It's just really, really too early on in, in the, I guess the, the conceptual stage is that there's not been enough, uh, practical implementations for that feedback leap to have happened yet. And how how broad do you start to target? You know, if if, if ML is your biggest challenge up front, then you, the self-serve aspect doesn't need to be all that great because the data scientists are capable of uh, going and, and if you give them access and you let them know what this means then that's it. But if you're trying to significantly lower the bar, I think maybe you start at the the data analyst level and then you kind of slowly lower the bar and that you raise people's capabilities so they may be able to have data analyst capabilities if somebody's really interested in learning that and that you slowly lower that bar to more and more information being shared but that's via reports and things like that and that you don't expect everybody to to do every aspect but again it's it's something where i just haven't seen a somebody come out strongly on here's here's how you do good um consumer uh level of uh no and i think i think if you i think if if we did see that then it would just change everything completely yeah i mean i'm sure a vendor is going to tell you that oh we can do that and it's like no <laughs> go, go go sit in the corner you're in timeout so well this has been really great um so uh if people want to follow up with you on anything we talked about today where can they find you or is it linkedin is that the best place or uh linkedin or twitter and we'll drop those in the show notes so people don't have to go yeah, look them especially up. Especially spelling out UST. <laughs> Does the tech. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> um, 
But uh, well, and what do you want people following up with you specifically about to chat about? Right. Like what would be a good thing that you would be like, oh, I really want to chat more about this. Uh, just more on the self-serve consumer side. Uh, it's it's a it's a space which I find really intriguing. And I don't think has really been all that thought out it's kind of as as we've kind of discussed um, today. Definitely took an avenue which I wasn't quite expecting, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, well, and I think I mean I think you're the tooling isn't there, which has been uh, a thing where people then have to roll entirely their own, and that becomes a, a big challenge. So I think it makes sense that people aren't there yet because the tooling hasn't caught up. But yeah, it's it's difficult. But yeah, fingers crossed. Or just perseverance. <laughs> Uh, it's that's kind of the thing with data mesh is <laughs> keeping on. Uh, data full stop. Yeah, Just keep calm and mesh on. Persevere, persevere. Yeah. So, well, this has been so so great, and thank you so much for spending the time, and thank you everybody for listening. I'd again like to thank my guest today, East Oldfield, who's the principal consultant at Advancing Analytics. As always, you can find his contact information in the show notes. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Datastacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.